That, that's it. That's this word that comes to mind. I love the psychology of language. And, and what is it that, that makes that? Like it's, and it's a universal word, right? It's, it's like transcends language. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, the general reaction to a puppy, a chick, or a baby is, oh. There's several words in the world that like transcend languages. One is taxi. Taxi is universally accepted. Okay is also a universal word, as is apparently coffee. Coffee sounds the same in almost every language. And I want to add to that dictionary, oh, that is a universal word. There's something in us that sort of says, oh, so cute. So cute. And we were googly-eyed this morning at the babies. I was there. I could see your faces. Most of you had your head slightly tilted. It were like this. See, most of it, oh, this is so cute, isn't it? The head tilt, the smiling face. But there's some other things that come to mind when we look at babies like Joshua. It's not just about how cute they are. It stirs up some other emotion in us. Something else comes up. Yes. You must have read my notes, brother. I, my notes said, pure and innocent. There's something you see, I will show you after, brother. It says right here, pure and innocent. They're the first two words. Clean, undefiled, untainted, pure and innocent. That's what's going on beyond the kind of cuteness. Most parents are like me. We all think our kids are the cutest. I remember when Jess was born, I had that picture, and I would, everyone would get them out of the thing, and I'd go, oh, but she's really cute. You know, because I just looked at her, and I didn't, it wasn't so much how she looked. She was cute. She was 10-10, by the way. She was big, yeah? The pictures of the kids in the Watford Observer, there was like, this kid, like, normal, normal. And then this picture is like that. The, 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 the picture of her, she filled the entire frame. But to me, she was, like, cute. And it wasn't just that she looked cute. It was that she was innocent and she was pure and she was clean and let's confess let's just be honest here let's just open up we're all friends here we are now anyway who sniffs baby's heads be honest come on the rest of you are lying let's accept it sniff baby's heads you do don't you if jerry where's jerry I'm sure he's got perfume of baby headers, I think, because he's always got babies and there's something you, you, you want to sniff I know it'd be weird if I met you for the first time and you pulled me towards you and sniffed my head, I'd be like, what are you? But, but it's okay with babies because they even smell clean 98% of the time. The other 2%, okay, not. But, but there's something about them that's just going on that makes us want to be close to that beauty and that purity and that innocence and that cleanliness. Because they're new life. They're newly created. And it gets us kind of gooey and excited when we see them. And as we were praying today, and I've got words I'll be giving to those guys later as well as I was just pondering about this, words about their future. You think about what will they be? They were, the, they were the words that people were bringing them. I don't know if you've ever been in a church like ours before, but we feel God gives us things to say that are words of knowledge or prophecy. They're about the future as well. And we say, I see that in the future of your child. I remember at my baptism, people speaking about my future and thinking, well, that's not me. Well, it is me now. <laughs> You know, at the time, people were saying stuff about me leading and being involved in the church in a leadership way. And I'm like, that's not me. I'm just a back row guy. I'm a drummer. Drummers always hide at the back, you know. And then God moves on me. And there I am now living out that, those prophetic words of years ago. They're blank canvases. They're not weighed down by their history. They're, they're past. 
Don't overthink this. Don't think about geology. Just look when you look at a child, you think, oh, you're not weighed down by your history and your past. We're going to turn in our Bibles if you've got them, and if not, don't worry, it will be on the screen. We're going to, I'm going to read to you from John 3, 1 to 7. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one, no one, can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered again, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, some of you won't know that scripture, and some of you will. And it's easy if you hear it just to gloss right over it and think, I kind of get that, I've heard that sort of thing before. But we miss the radical nature of this engagement. We miss the radical nature of this conversation. If you don't know your Bible, you probably enjoy a bit of history. You need to know who these people are that are talking to one another. You know Jesus. You probably don't know who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's part of a ruling group. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He's a high-ranked member of the Sanhedrin. So he holds high position in the Jewish community, part of the legislative body. It's believed through study of history that he's probably Nicodemus of Gurion, that's what the um, Jewish Talmud would refer to him as. So I even believe he's quite wealthy too. And it says he's a spiritual giant and an expert in the law. He's coming to Jesus at night. That means he's wary of what it means for him, a Jew, to sit down, a, a member of the Pharisees, and speak to Jesus. So he comes to see him privately and the, under the cover of darkness at night, because it would be of great risk if he was found out. You can imagine the head of IS meeting with the Archbishop of Canterbury. The ramifications in that organization would be of it would be unacceptable. We're in that territory. He can't, he shouldn't be with Jesus. As you know from your Easter stories, it's this group of people that ultimately condemn him to death. They are against Jesus. But this man, Nicodemus, wants to see him, and at great risk, he goes to see him at night. Because he's seen what Jesus has done. And you've seen what Jesus has done. We see what Jesus does in people's lives. And he believes that Jesus is a divine messenger of God. For him to say that to him is of, again, great significance. I believe you are a divine messenger of God. And then he calls him Rabbi, which means teacher which means I'm putting myself under your authority. Again, think of who he is. He's saying, tell me, I need to know, with all the knowledge that I have, and being part of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, he's an expert, a spiritual giant, an expert in the law, and he knows the religious stuff, but he says, tell me, teacher, teach me. And what Jesus says to him is that he must be born again. That is of huge Significance. That teaching moment 
is completely contrary to what he thought. Nicodemus believed, part, part of his religion was, you have to perform. You have to comply. You have to follow these bunch of rules. And at the end of it, God's on some kind of a grading system. And he's going to go, well, you know, I've looked at the list. And you kind of, you won over your good stuff to your bad stuff. And you sacrificed animals to pay when you did things wrong. And you, you cancelled it out by all living to the law. And Jesus says something completely different. And there's a preacher called uh, Charles Stanley who asked a question on a preach once. I thought was really powerful. And I'm going to ask it now. Something like it anyway. If God was to judge you now, if God was to judge you now, how would that judging go? If he was to judge you now and say, I'm looking at your life, how would that judging go? And I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance. I'm reading some minds in the room. You're going through, well, I did that well. I did that was good. I did these good things. And I didn't do those bad things. I didn't do that bad thing. I didn't do that bad thing. But I did these good things. So you're grading too. You're thinking like God's going to do a grading system. That's how a Pharisee was programmed to think as well. Follow the rules. Stick by the guidelines. Follow it out. And at the end of it all, you'll be okay. And then Jesus runs a steam train through it. Steam train through it. It says, that's not it. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And look. To him, he's confused. What does that mean? How can you literally be born again? How can an adult be born again? That, that's his confusion. Because his model is based on a completely different way of thinking. And most people think that way, unless you're an atheist. You think there probably is a God, maybe there is a God. He's a bit like Father Christmas. He's got a list. And I'm hoping on the good boy list and not the bad boy list. That's what I think he's like. And I'm going to stand in front of him and I'm going to say, listen here, God, mate, geezer, I'm going in because I did all this good stuff and I did that thing there and I did some bad things that were bad, but you know, it's better that I outweighed it. Jesus says, that's not how it's going to work. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. That's a shattering truth to Nicodemus and it still offends people today. But it's the core of the Christian faith. It's the core of what we are. It's not about leading a life that we see fit and then some entry exam at the end. Jesus says, truly, truly. When Jesus says, truly, truly, he's like saying, listen, truly, by you, you're thinking the wrong thing, so I'm going to tell you what the truth is, and that will set you free. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Credit to Nicodemus, though. He, he's in a sticky situation. He asked that question. Well, how can a man be born again if he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus just answers him again, says pretty much the same thing, slightly extended. Listen, and he says again, listen, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you're thinking, it's wrong. This is how it's going to work. That we are given new life from above. That, that is what it means to be born again. We are given new life from above. That's the core of the gospel. It's an offer that comes from Jesus to start your spiritual and moral life again, to be born again. John 14, 16, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So we start to hear Jesus speaking of, this is who I am. I'm the one that can give you that new life. I'm the one that can enable you to be born again. It's all over the New Testament. 2 Corinthians, this word new keeps coming up. New, new, new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the, behold, the new has come. It's time for us to start getting excited. There's an offer to be made new. It's all over the Bible. New life, new creations. Just like we valued when we looked at um, baby Joshua, what Nicodemus asked was to reveal this truth. Being born again is a spiritual activity. It's a cosmic spiritual resetting and a new life that comes. But it needs to start from a clean slate. You cannot be old and new at the same time without something supernatural happening. So I'm going to try an analogy, and it might be a bit heretical for some people, but I'm going to go with it anyway, and I'll take all the criticism over lunch. But we're like old computers. Running for years, in my case 55, but I was 20-ish when I came to Jesus. And we're full of viruses. We often feel weighed down and sluggish and not quite right. And I remember that at 23. At 23, I think it was 23, my memory's terrible. I had, I hate doing this because it sounds really boastful, but I'm going to do it anyway. I had what most people wanted. I'm a DJ, I'm a musician, I'm a record producer, I've got a record label, I'm very popular, I've got a crowd of friends. I walk in a pub and people go, hey, he's here! I had quite decent money. Everything I thought at that age, certainly, I, I would want. I had girlfriends, with a plural, sorry. And I knew I wasn't right. I knew that even though I had these things, and Jim Carrey once said, I hope, I, he said something like this, I wish everyone would get all their heart's desires and realize that's not it. That's not it. No matter what we get, we want more. Rockefeller once famously said, someone said to Rockefeller, the billionaire, how much money is enough? And he said, one dollar more. These things won't satisfy. I wasn't satisfied. I needed something else. I felt weighed down and sluggish. And away from my friends, away from the, the falsehoods of the jolly Andy, who just was super social, was this guy sat in the room going, I just need something else. Because all I've got isn't it. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the door, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What that means is you can't come into the kingdom of God riddled with viruses. Stick with me, the old computer thing's working out okay so far. The kingdom of God is sin-free. The kingdom of God is virus-free. Heaven is virus-free. It's ultimately, it's going to be pain-free. It's going to be hurt-free. Hurt for ourselves, hurt that we do to others, free from tears, free from suffering. And we can start to experience it now, not fully, but in part. God offers one way into the kingdom. You need to get virus-free. You need to get sin-free. And the only way to do that is to let Jesus, on the cross, wipe you clean. Wash you with his blood. Jesus is the only way to get a reset 
for this new life. That is to be born again. John 3.16 said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. In other words, be rejected due to the sin and the viruses we carry, but have eternal life. And Jesus dies on the cross to take away the sin of mankind and offer you all, every one of us, a full reset. Not getting rid of who we are, we are still who we are, but all that sin that built up in us. Not only what we've got now, but what we'll do and what we'll do in the future, dealt with on the cross. And that sounds good, to enter his presence, virus-free, as Jesus sucks in all the viruses, takes away our sin on the cross, but it's even better. Because that's a moment that God makes all things new. And we're going to go ahead and look at what he makes new. Whether you're a Christian or not, I ask you, listen up. I may not meet many of you again. And I don't want to miss my chance to just at least share with you what I believe. And a lot of us do believe. And I've got 10 words and some scriptures to share with you. And we're just going to see what God does. Because to have a new start, have a new life in Jesus means a new start. That's what I got at 23. A new start. A chance to say, look, I'm not happy where my life is going and I've got a new start. 1, 4, uh, 1 John 4.10 said, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. That's a payment for our sins. You get this new start. You get this opportunity to start your life again, whether you're 23, 53, 83, whatever. You get this offer of new life to be born again. You get a new position. Oops. Stop moving on. Oh, there we go. New position, a new relationship. You get to be called a child of God. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we can cry, Abba, Father. What that means is you get to call God, Dad. Abba is, a, is an affectionate term. Israeli kids will call their fathers Abba. It is an affectionate term. It's an intimate term. It means God's gone from this distant, off, white-bearded, weird guy you see in those strange pictures who's just judging everyone and frankly not interfering with things he should interfere in and disappointing you, and you get to come close to him and say, Hello, Father. Hello, Dad. And start a relationship with him. That's what it means to be called, to call him Abba Father. And the other scripture says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Christians, we use this term incorrectly. Children of God. To be a child of God means you know your Father. That is a child of God. We are not all God's children, sorry to say. I know that might be scandalous in some situations. We're not. It says, accept him as your father, accept him, accept what he says, accept his son as your brother, and you will be called a child of God. It's a privilege, it's an honor to be called the title child of God. There's no scripture in the Bible that says we are all God's children. It's a lyric to a song, guys. It's just song lyrics. John Farnham, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We have to know our Father. 
We have to have a relationship with our Father to be his children. Then we get a new guide, a new conscience or consciousness. Romans 8.14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Corinthians talks about the testimony of our conscience, that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Going with the computer analogy again, sorry those of you that are not enjoying it, but here's the point. The Holy Spirit is then given to us as a kind of antivirus software. Now, this is really pushing the limits of it. But the point is that there's something in us when you come to Jesus and you ask him into your life, God says he will send a helper to you. He will send a helper to you anyway, but he will send a helper to you who's the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going, this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing that. You need to stop doing that. You need to push that out. You know the antivirus analogy in that? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's saying this shouldn't be in you anymore. These things of lust that you suffer from. Now, when you become a Christian, just to be clear, when you give your life to Jesus and you become a Christian, you do not then suddenly, everything's sorted. You're, you're allowed, you're wiped clean, your sin is wiped clean, but then the things of the flesh come back. We call them the things of the flesh, temptations, desires, the thing that you want. And the Holy Spirit is going, you don't want that in you. That needs to go. And then it's a journey, an ongoing work of salvation that says, I'm going to walk the way of God, and I'm going to, I'm going to try and do things better. I'm going to stop doing those things. I'm not just going to keep saying sorry. I'm going to walk away from those things. I'm going to live a different kind of life. And the Holy Spirit in us does that. It convinces us, this is not the right thing to do, Andy. This is not going to help you benefit your bless you. And it's not the way of God. It's not the way of God to be envious. It's not the way of God to be greedy. It's not the way of God to be angry. It's not the way of God to be full of lust. So as those viruses come in, this Holy Spirit's going, you don't want that. You need that out of you. And he gives you the strength and the power to push it out. That's who I am. I'm that guy who's fighting sometimes with it. But my word, I get as I walk with God, it's nice to feel that he's cleaning me. He's purifying me. Not only did he offer me the reset in Jesus Christ, but as I walk with him in the Holy Spirit, my life is becoming kinder and gentler. We call them the fruits of the Spirit. I'm living a life for him so I can be a more kind husband, a better friend. Someone who doesn't engage in things that I used to engage in. Because they all have consequences. Spending too much money on things I don't need has a knock-on effect. I end up in debt. Watching things I shouldn't watch, horror included. Yes, and pornography when I was an 18, 19-year-old. Stopping that stuff because these are not... These are not things that don't have any consequences for the rest of the human race. Never mind they offend God. There's people at the end of those things getting hurt, getting damaged. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Andy, no, I'm going to help you to stop. And so that journey has been a beautiful journey. I'm now 55. I was 23. And God has walked with me. The Holy Spirit has been in me all that time going, we're going to sort that out. Jesus has dealt with that on the cross. That sin is no longer hanging over you, but your lifestyle needs to reflect someone like that. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you what those things are. And we get a new freedom. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's good to know. It's good to know what it means to follow Jesus. It's good to know 
what God wants. It's good to know and not second guess all the time. The word of God is in us and allows us to be taught by the word of God. And it sets you free. You're not second guessing. You're not wondering at the end of life, is this what's going to be? Is this what it is? Do I take my chances or not? There's an assurance. There's a freedom of knowing. I'm not guessing anymore. The word of God says this and it says it clearly. You are no longer a slave, but a son and a son than an heir through God. And you get a new perspective. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son, that you may know that you have eternal life. To, to have eternal life. Hey, eternal life is an offer. Eternal life is on offer in Jesus Christ. Eternal life with, with the God who created all things is the offer. That's what it is. That's what the born again life is. It's saying you have the offer to start an eternal life today by accepting Jesus Christ dies on the cross to take away your sin and then walk the way of God, walk in his ways Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to mature you, to walk alongside you, to help you walk in this life. And it's a joy-filled life, guys. Trust me. I, uh, when I was 23, I thought I had it. I didn't have it. It wasn't that great. It's nothing compared to this. Nothing. I'm standing at the, which, oh, I can't remember, some big nightclub in London, and we're at the front. I'm doing this thing. And everyone's jumping up and down. It's nothing. That's infinitely better. Sound that little thing there, bashing out drums in the glory to the glory of God is infinitely better than anything the world has to offer. And I knew it, and you know it too. We all know it really. We want to stand there and go, I'm not gonna go, don't. But inside we're going, yes, he's probably right. That's who I was at 23, sat in that chair. I'm going, not for me, not for me, not for me. Inside he's going, yes, it is, yes, it is, yes, it is. I'm going, I'm not doing this alone. What's your hand doing in the air? Get it down. <laughs> then his, this guy praised me to the kingdom of God. Because I stopped fighting. And I'm telling you, it was the best decision I could ever have made. Because the life I have now is full of God's grace. And it's not, I don't feel condemned by anything I do. I feel full of God's grace and mercy. Yes, I mess up. Of course I mess up. But God helps me to grow and strengthen and mature and be a good person, a loving person who hopefully reflects his nature. Someone asked me this that day, and I said yes. They said, do you want this? Do you want it? It's a, it's a free offer. Costs a fortune. Costs the life of the Son of God. But it's a free offer. That restart, that new life, that born-again opportunity. Say, okay, I, I don't know that, you know, this is how I thought. <laughs> I have no idea of the details. I've got a million questions. But I want that. I want, I, I want that. I want to start again. Even at 23, I want to start again. God, can I have that? Can I have that? Do I need to do anything for it? It's like, no, just believe that's what Jesus did. And then we'll walk together in this long journey of the following 30 years and may hopefully 30 more to come while I discover how I walk closer and closer to God as I go. You're in the room, guys. <laughs> You're going, oh, I wish he'd shut up. I wish he'd shut up. He's really starting to annoy me now. 
And there's a voice in going, going, yes, go ahead. We're going to give you an opportunity, and I don't want to put anyone in an awkward position, but all I'm going to say, don't walk out today and think, I'll go away and ponder that. If you know this is you and God's calling you to say, at least have a conversation with someone about that. At least come and talk to someone properly about that. Stop dodging, stop running, stop trying to squirm around and have a conversation with someone about it. Maybe today's the day you make that commitment I made those years ago. Maybe it's not. But there's enough of us around today and there'll be a prayer team. I think we're going to have to put them in that corner today because there's no corner over there. They'll be there as well. They can talk to you. They can pray with you if you want. And any of us who are here over lunch are happy to talk to you. The question is, do you want this new life? Do you want this restart? And for the Christians amongst us. I'm sorry. No, someone told me not to keep saying sorry, so I'm not going to say I'm not sorry about this at all. I don't, I'm not sorry. Yes, thank you. Your antivirus software is out of date. You've neglected it. You know it. You've left it. Your things have crept back into your life. Patterns have returned, and you're not rejecting them like you used to. You're entertaining them. You're letting them run on. Now you may not be in the depths of the sin you once were in before, but you think, yeah, I'm kind of back there again. I'm there. I'm. Spending money I shouldn't spend. I'm, I'm coveting things I shouldn't cover. I want things I shouldn't want. And it, it's not good. It doesn't make me feel right. It feels like I've got a virus in me. Jesus paid. Don't worry. Jesus dealt with it. But you need to get it out of you. And that's what we, we refer to as the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's often, that's not all of it, but that's a big part of it. And sometimes us as Christians need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit to almost go, right, let's, let's get that stuff dealt with. And I know you're there. I know you're people thinking, hey, me, you know what? It's crept back. I'm, I'm, I'm doing patterns. Right, by the way, so stand up if that is you. That's me, guys. Thank you. And anyone, if it's you, stand up. Stand up if that's you. If you think, I need, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to help me. Because patterns are coming back. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for those that have stood. I pray for those that are thinking I should be standing, will stand. <laughs> because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is only conviction. Thank you, Father, that we are here. We pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit for those that are standing. Those that want to receive, Lord. Maybe they can't stand, but they're still wanting to receive. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit in us again? That those patterns of life that we know were not a blessing before we knew you, they have been dealt with on the cross. That, that sin was taken away on the cross. But we need to walk the life that puts those things to death. And sometimes we have to put them to death daily. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicts us of that and then gives us the power and the strength to deal with it. Father, I pray a blessing and an infilling of the Holy Spirit on these people that are standing, Lord God. That they have received that fresh infilling, that, that updated, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time, that update to that antivirus Thing that Father says, no, we're, I'm full up, I'm fresh, I'm cleaned out, and now I'm not going to let other things back in. Father, would you fill them afresh in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to just do one more song. Um, it's a song of commitment. It's called, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me.
I pray for those, all of us here, that are either seeking or have received Jesus Christ to sing this song as a declaration of just what you're hoping for, maybe, but also if you're someone who's Christian, what you're actually following. So we can get the what's left of the worship team.